Was that okay? Yeah. You literally scared the shit out of me with that topic. Did I? I, like, I know. I saw your eyes go wide, and I was like, oh, this is a... Because like, I'm thinking, is... like, should I? Should I? No, no. I was no. like, oh, Rach is going in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Into the That's never... It's never happened. <laughs> Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Louder Than Ten is here today, so say hello to everyone. Hey. Hi. So, um, Rachel and Travis Gertz from Louder Than Ten are here, and we're going to talk about a big change in their company. But I'm assuming we haven't done an interview in a while. Yeah. So maybe not everybody knows who you are or what the company does or how it has kind of transformed over the years. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves to these folks um, before we get into the big topic of today. Yeah, you bet. Uh, I'm Rachel Gertz. I'm the Director of Growth and Delivery at Louder Than 10. And uh, my job is to make sure that the the way that we work with folks uh, in digital agencies, studios, and other internal creative uh, teams is one where we can help them be more equitable, more democratic through project management operations. Okay. And Travis? Yeah, so I'm Travis Gertz. I am the Director of Operations and Design at Louder Than 10. So uh, I help uh, run the company from behind and do a lot of our marketing and design work and positioning and things like that and help um, kind of spearhead the cooperative conversion and, and things like that. Okay. And and we've known each other, I think, for a while. So, Rachel, you were the first person I think I met when I went to the DPM yeah. uh, Summit for the very first time, which was like a was billion years ago. 2014? Possibly. It was a long-ass time ago. Wow. Yeah. 2013, what's, 10 what's years cool ago. About the people that I've met through that is that a lot of us, I mean, we still, like, I still talk to Patrice, still talk to Brett, like, Carl occasionally. Like, a lot of the people that were there in the beginning um stay in touch yeah it's really cool to reconnect and see how this space has evolved over time yeah it's definitely shifted i think over the last decade for sure and i mean obviously um like pandemic times have shifted how people meet and connect but i think that the fabric that keeps those like all of these folks kind of yeah. connected is still there very strong yeah. cool um so you put up a big post the other day and I saw it and I was like, wow, this seems like it's a really big deal and I don't understand it at all. And so I reached out and asked if we could do an interview about it. And the more I learned about it, the more I'm like, damn, this is very exciting, the change you've made. So would you mind kind of walking through what you've done to your company? So um, when me and Rachel started our company in 2009, we were uh, just a web design partnership we just worked together um, and we would subcontract with other agencies. We would, um, and we kind of sat in this experience of, you know, uh, owners were very nice, um, but when things got a little bit tricky, uh, sometimes things went south. It, when it turned into like, it was almost like a benevolent dictatorship, which many yeah. of us are probably familiar with working in most companies. Um, and as we evolved our, 
our agency into more of a project management training and consulting company mm -hmm. and bringing in trainers like our uh, new co-founder, Abby, um, we found like we wanted to kind of find a way to do business a little bit differently where the people that worked for us, they were just as professional as us. They had just as much experience. They should be maybe rewarded in the same way if the company does well. And so what we did is we uh, learned about this thing called a worker-owned cooperative um, about three or four years ago. And what that means is that um, the workers at the company are eligible to become owners themselves. And so what that means is each person gets an equal voting right on company policies and they get to uh, they get a share in the profits. Um, how that's divvied up varies between co-ops, but for ours, it's dependent on your time contributions over the year. You get okay. uh, we have a slice of profit that we distribute, and they get a share based on that. Okay. Can I and can so, I ask you a bunch of questions about this stuff now? Absolutely. All right. I want to check in on one thing because it's been. I mean, I started out working in digital agencies, but it's been a while. Um, what I remember was they were populated with very young people. And this is one of the things that was so exciting to me about going to the DPM events was everybody was young. Um, at that conference, it was the only one I had ever been to that skewed more female than male, it seemed like anyway. But everybody who seemed in the space seemed really passionate about their craft and what they were doing. But it's almost like everybody would age out, like the little red dot on their, the dot on their hand would turn red and then they would disappear forever. Um, yeah. And I just assumed that they moved on to work at like bigger, bigger companies or whatever. Part of that also is that when you have really young people, if it's a startup minded kind of company, you tend, there's a tendency to grind people down. You just squeeze whatever you can because they're just fungible. You just get new ones. Um, and I did, I have seen that happen at a lot of agencies, but yeah. I know that that's not the kind of approach that you take. Do you, do you see, is that like a fair representation? Yeah, I would say, I think um, one of the reasons we even started uh, moving towards project management in Louder Than 10 is um, a lot of our industry peers and friends, they would yeah get work to the bone and kind of have nothing to show for it at yeah. the end. You just like make a lateral move to a new company that may be a little better, maybe a little worse, um, maybe a lot worse. Yeah. Um, and kind of you just go through this cycle through your whole whole career. So, okay. yeah, we wanted to, to shift how to that was done. And, yeah. and when I was doing it, there was stock options, which was always like, it, it, to me, it was like the worst thing that ever happened because it was imaginary money that they would dangle in front of you and then it would evaporate. And the one time I did have something that turned into real money, it cost more to exercise the options than the options were worth. Um, yeah. So that to me is like a burn when people tell me like, oh, well, you'll be a part of it. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I want to check in on is when you say worker-owned co-op, because you're talking about Abby, I immediately started thinking about bees. And now I'm thinking, oh, well, it's like a farmer's market and you're selling honey and project management. But that's <laughs> not... <laughs> That's not what new this is, right? We sell honey and project management. But I mean, could you explain like how the kind of co-op you're talking about is not like a food co-op? Yeah. Yeah. Rich, do you want to go ahead well, or do you want? Yeah. To... So if there, if we like kind of broke it down, there's like 
kind of generally three different uh, styles of, of cooperatives. Um, okay. There's ours, the worker-owned cooperative, which I'll have to talk about in a second. There's producer co-ops and producer co-ops might be, you know, if you're like you're into brewing or honey or even groceries, right? And right. you can band together with other local producers and you can kind of share in the benefits and wealth of, of like of a makerspace kind of like a makerspace, like okay. a collective, except that you're putting like literal shares to it. It's like voting and, and uh, company decisions. Okay. And then consumer co-ops, which you may have heard, like, I don't know if Mech is big in the US, but Mountain Equipment Co-op was a big it, co-op here. And then there's other cooperatives where they're consumer-based. So basically you just put in your like $5 membership share or whatever, and right. then you might get benefits from like discounts or maybe you get some okay. say in like voting for the board or something like that. You should mention you're. We should tell them you're in Canada too, because you just yes, we are in Canada, audience. absolutely, uh, international audience. But yeah, for sure, West Coast. So uh, for a worker-owned cooperative, it's a little different in that um, you know, in it, it, like if you zoom out, it's almost like you, you're giving everyone a chance to help guide a direction for the company that is sound and ethical okay. and equitable, instead of just having you know maybe two or three people at the top being like, we are going to decide what happens to all of you. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be framed in terms of benefit for the owners, right? So when we're all owners, we all get a benefit. Okay. So I worked at a lot of smaller companies where there, there are a couple people who maybe like they've made it. Like they got their rock star money and everybody who's coming up wants the rock star money. And yeah. so everybody's very self-focused. And, and I think that that kind of person would probably not not be a great fit for your company. Yeah. Um, what, what I was thinking we were talking about it the other day is that somebody who wants to, to practice their craft and, and not have to worry about, I mean, we all worry about our jobs, but not, not like be stressed about getting like the, their pay, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if everybody in the company is there to ensure that the company continues to exist because it provides us with a place where we can practice our craft and get better at it then that kind of person would be a good fit for you. Yeah, I think you hit on it pretty, pretty like hard, Dave. Like we think about the people that are reaching out, you know, and they are folks that are kind of sick of hustle culture. They're kind of yeah. sick of plate capitalism generally, right? I mean, they're, they're like, this isn't working. Uh, I don't want to have to work three jobs in order to be taken care of. And I don't want to be treated as an expendable resource. And um, I think just based on, you know, looking at the direction of where we see um, government and politics and all of these other things going is like, we do have to kind of look at how we want to support each other um, in, in the most power that we have that we see us, us having is as, as our, as workers, as owners okay. and workers because of the, the piece of pie that we get access to. So I don't know, Trav, if there's anything you wanted to expand on there. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think you're right, Dave, in that like there, there is, um, it is more of a cooperative over a uh, competitive approach to it. And there's going to be some people that are kind of lone wolves that will, will maybe not do as well in this type of environment. Um, and which is a challenge because I think we've been socialized so much in our workplaces to like, you know, we're competing for like very few positions of leadership or things like that. It's very scarcity minded, very yeah. scarcity minded. So it's a, and I think even when we do bring in new people into the company, there's always a period of like, it's like 
deprogramming a bit of like yeah. a lot of workplace trauma, things like that, that happen. And, and it's like a, a little bit of, uh, it's a, it's an adjustment for sure to be like, oh yeah, you're not, um, you're not like the other companies I've worked for in the past. So, yeah. Well, and that, that's a really, I think important thing. I, I was telling somebody on a, an interview the other day, a story about a job that I had, um, where six months after I left it, somebody asked me what I had done before. And I literally started crying. Because oh. it had been such an awful working experience. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people are probably weary of that hustle culture thing. And they've also been burned during the pandemic. And there's the great yeah. resignation and everything else. And people want a place where they feel safe, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think for me, what's appealing about the whole idea is that I really just want to do my freaking job. Like I don't want to be bothered with a bunch of other nonsense and worried about you know, the administration of the company, I'd rather let other people do that so I can do what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're creating a space where people can do that, but still have a say in which direction the boat goes. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about how that part works? Yeah. So there's a, there's a bit of a governance layer in there where, um, um, and we, it's always a balance of trying to make it, um, so you have a process and you have the transparency and everybody you have the form so people can make decisions kind of together so it's it's a little bit of work on on proposing an idea for the company and being like hey this is what we're thinking are we all right. in agreement with it and then we can vote on it um that's mixed with the that has to be balanced with still speed right and mm -hmm. productivity and actually like you said getting the work done so it's always um for for us, it's it's nice being digital project managers and being in this side where like we actually kind of know the technology of what we can use to leverage like quicker voting and processes mm -hmm. and things like that, which um, traditionally has been tough, I think, for some cooperatives because it is like that ad ad adopt adoption. So I yeah. think like agencies, technology companies are well suited for that kind of thing. But okay, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a balance, yeah. How does it change, like, the business that you're in? Does it change the kind of clients you have to go after, the type of work you take on, or the contracts, or anything like that? Um, no, if go anything, for it. it's probably more just, like, folks who are kind of more, I guess, ethically aligned in terms of looking after and supporting uh, workers from a perspective that, you know, it's not just to grind them out. It's, so we're not going to maybe be a great fit for folks who are like, yeah, hustle culture is the best, right? Um, that said, it doesn't really change uh, the large amount of folks that we work with because when they, I mean, one of the things that we talk about is how project management and how it hooks into operations. It's like this in, invisible layer when it's done right. Mm -hmm. that actually just does help your company run more equitably. Like it, it's designed to do that when you hand, hand power and distribute power to the people who need it in order to make uh, pro projects launch. Yeah. So it's actually not that far off uh, with the sort of layer of work that we do. And I think that's what's really neat for us. We're not, we're not saying and advocating that every single person we work with should become a co-op. It's just not, it's not for everybody. It's, right. but it, 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 the concepts are in alignment with the work that we deliver. Okay. And I'm assuming that there's, and maybe you haven't gotten to these parts yet, but there's going to be times when anybody working for your company would want to go in one direction and everybody else would go in another direction. Yeah. And then they, they can make a choice. Like I can either support this or I can, um, I can bail. But what I think is really interesting about 
the approach that you're taking is there's so many people now that are victims of where they work and they just walk through life like, oh, they're making me do this, they're making me do that. In your model, if I didn't agree with where, if it was just the, the three of us and you wanted to go one direction and I wanted to go another, I have to make an intentional choice yeah. to get on board or to leave. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that, that that's a good thing for you as owners, right? Yeah. Um, one of our sort of, like, we have, we have a, a set of bylaws that we've like made just to kind of like it standardizes all our kind of like our operating rules, basically. Um, but one thing we try to do is to get consensus on all of our decisions. So you don't even have to like it, but can be like, yeah, I don't like this. And you can state that and be like, I don't really like this direction, but I consent to it. And if that fails, we, we can go to a vote. And um, I think we have like a two thirds vote has to win or else the motion just gets, you know, we move on, we move on yeah. to other things basically. Um, so it does have, um, so you have a voice and we try to like, we're going to try and talk through when things happen, not to say that we won't have disagreements and things like that, but it's, yeah, it's very much to avoid just like the lone wolf making a decision on behalf of everybody else against yeah. maybe everyone's best interest and things like that. There has to be a lot of trust, I would imagine. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. You've known you've known Abby for a while. So yeah. Like, what's the plan for when you bring in somebody brand new? Yeah. Um, are they like you know the the other quarter vote now? Because you like if you hired somebody tomorrow. Yeah. How does it work? Um, Trav, you probably know the details better than I, and then I'll add sure. some additional thoughts. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's like. It's not like everybody we hire right away is an owner. That's okay. that's for sure. We want to make sure that they are a good fit in the long term. Sure. Um, when we do hire, we definitely want to hire from the perspective that this person could be an owner and responsible for this company okay. at one period. So, so that's kind of starts at the beginning, and then we have yeah, a that's, year. That's a big switch too. You're not just hiring a cog for the machine. You're hiring yeah. a person that you are basically mm -hmm. saying, "I expect to be able to trust this person with my life." Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah, and then on top of that, we have like a, a year long probationary period. So you have to work with us over a year, at least a thousand hours. Okay. Um, and then at the end of that, um. You can choose to purchase like your ownership stake, okay. which we kind of want to make the and then enough a big enough amount that you really have to be committed and think about it. And you're like, yeah. I'm in for this company. So for us right now, it's a ten thousand dollar buy in to become okay. an owner, and then um, and still we have to approve it as the board and be like, yeah, you got this. You're in, and we go from there. Okay. So it's so, not everybody, but it's you, you all have the opportunity. Almost like a partner at a law firm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but yeah. not quite as fancy. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, did, you, oh, did you want to add something to it, Rachel? You said you were going to add something. Um, Chav, you covered most of those points actually really well. I, I was thinking about um, how this kind of ties back to um, scaling for long-term growth and thinking about how you, know, you do want to hire very carefully and you're always looking at someone who's going to contribute things that just in your own skill sets and areas, like you want to round out your company, right? So yeah. it is about looking at the, like for values in terms of like, what what do folks care about? Do, 
do they have a community interest? You know, are they interested in like circular economies or the concept of like giving back? Are they interested in education? There's like seven core member principles that are related to um, any co-op. And a lot of okay. it comes back to that concept of like, do they, do they imbue the, the values that would take us in the same direction uh, as a company? Okay. So that's interesting to me as well, because a lot of times when I think about putting together a team in a company or a board, it is you hire certain people because of personalities and maybe you hire people with differing viewpoints or differing value systems because you want that edge to kind of push. Mm -hmm. But this is more making sure this person is in harmony with the rest of the group. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it's a different yeah. kind of tactic. Not for everybody, but for some. Not for everyone. Yeah. Really great fit. All right. So I want to ask you a little bit about the size of the company, um, because I, I think that with the size that you're at, this is probably not a, a ma I mean, not that it's not hard, but it's not like it would be if you had like 150, 200 people. Um, and the reason I wanted to just talk about it is because I'm assuming that there are people from different agencies or smaller companies that will watch this. And if they're curious about it, um, I'd just like to hear your thoughts about, you know, the size of your company, how that fits, how, at what size it might become complicated. Yeah, so we're, we're a boutique consultancy, so we're intentionally members of three. Uh, and our goal is that we want to add members uh, and scale appropriately. It's it's easier to share the load and it's like you you have folks that can kind of complement those those structural areas. Um, if you are, if you do have more more folks in your company, obviously you, you need consensus to even go in that direction or you're going to have major turnover, right? But yeah. um, I, I think when... When folks, when folks, when you look at engagement rates in companies right now, I think it's sitting below the 30% mark, right? Like most people are just like, eh, job, whatever. Right. Um, if you want to increase that level of engagement, it's like, hey, how does this impact you directly? Well, you get a say in oh. um, hiring, you get a say in salary, you get a say in service delivery to a point, right? Like there's, okay. it, it impacts individuals and they, uh, most folks, it's like, you want you want autonomy, mastery, and purpose in the role that you have to increase engagement, right? Based on the, the historical uh, data, so this is a way to give folks that. And I think if you can get that buy-in, and you are working on building trust with your employees, I think that's a yeah. that's a much easier sell for them in terms of moving in this direction. So, um, oh, good. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think. Um, Three people to make a conversion is easy in some ways in that decisions are really easy and fast, Yeah. but workload is really tough. So there's probably like a sweet spot between like five to 10 people where it's like pretty not bad. Yeah. And then, but it's, it's quite common to make conversions that are bigger companies too, like maybe up to a hundred or more people. Okay. Um, the uh, the big use case for that sometimes is a lot of times when an owner kind of ages out and they want to sell their yeah. company, mm -hmm. it makes a lot more sense to sell back to the employees than to just some random some other person. person or other bigger company or or to um, shut it down. So it's yeah. kind of a, a nice viable option. I think for agencies, especially where it's not exactly going to be super attractive to a lot of investors and things like that. Yeah, so. seriously. There's, I think that's been one of the key things we're seeing. Like right now, a lot of agency owners are trying to sell because they're just, they're burnt out, right? Like they've been doing this for however long. And then you think about like 
how does a digital agency change over time? Well, you're still going to be doing the same type of thing with the same types of services. And there's a lot more pressure now because there's a lot more agencies. So I think this provides almost like an alternative for some folks uh, in companies who are like, you know, I'm burnt out. I who else would care more and who else would understand more about the type of work that we're doing and, and the way that we deliver it when yeah. folks are incentivized and they, and they actually can show up. I think you, you will see that interest. That also depends on whether or not folks want to imagine their lives, you know, long-term at a digital agency. Cause like you said, yeah. Dave, people, people burn out, people burn out and then they go usually product or they go internal. So it's not for everyone, but it is definitely an intentional move. So there, there's three things I want to try to remember to come back to all of them. But you said okay. something a few minutes ago about, um, you know, a lot of people, they just have a job. And I, I had been thinking entirely with Gen X brain until you said that. But now I'm thinking about the whole, there's a whole generation of people that they look at the jobs the way employers look at people. Like the job is, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, you know, whatever. It's just a job. I'll just leave it. I'll get another one. This is reaching out to that potentially community or, or generation mm -hmm. and saying, here's a different kind of experience you can have, like invest in yourself, invest the time, yeah. create a place where you can, you can exist and thrive and not just yeah. be disposed. Yeah. And I think too, I really want to highlight like this in no way is asking you to entangle yourself and your identity in your work, because I think that is also a codependent place that is very unhealthy. A lot of owners have a codependency with their businesses where they feel like they are their business and what would their business do without them? So we're not like doing this with that idea or, or even advocating for that. I think it's very dangerous to do that. But I do yeah. think that the level of engagement, you can still be like, it is a job or a career for me, but I am able to go home at the end of the day because we have all agreed on this is how we're going to run a very smart, sustainable company. It's very pragmatic. Okay. This is a total segue and I might cut this part out, but I want to ask you guys about this. Um, there are people that separate work from personal life, people that want to go home and shut off. I have come around to the opinion that everything I do in my life, whether it is doing a podcast, teaching a class, hanging out with my wife and my kid, playing guitar, that is my work. It's the work mm -hmm. of my life. Nice. So I don't have, like, I don't turn anything off ever. It's always on full blast all the time. But I have to make sure that the things that I'm doing are things that I, I mean, I want to do. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious for the two of you. Is that because you're owners of a company and I'm the two of you are together. I know with my wife, when we work together, it's like you talk about it all the time. Yeah. You think about it all the time. And you have other hobbies, I know, but I mean, do you shut it off? Do you like five o'clock? I'm not talking about work anymore. No, honestly, no, we're horrible at that. It's, okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's hard to therapy, now. but yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, um, it is, it is like that fine line where, um, you know, especially like for us, if we, we are together, you know, things that happen in the business directly affect the things that happen in our yeah. personal life. Can we go on vacation? Things like that. So I agree in that. I think there's, um, it's really hard to put a, like a clean container around your work and your life. Um, in fact, I think um, your job is the thing that kind of affects your life more than almost anything like it you spend more it, time at it than anything else you, you spend more time at it it 
dictates like your access to food, shelter, healthcare, all those kinds of things. So um, it is important and it affects your personal life so much, but it's, it's kind of that part of trying to leave maybe the stresses and the labor at work as much as you can to still okay. have like that, that like mix, right. It, it yeah. like make room for the other work in your life as you might put it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like if I can be vulnerable, I think from me, my own journey over the last couple of years, since we were like, okay, we're moving forward with this co-op. It is now, it's not Rachel and Travis and Abby. It's all three of us. We're a husband and wife team. There is very real challenges that come with being in a partnership and then having a, a third person in a different country, uh, working together in, as a, as a, a cohesive unit, we, we almost yeah. telepathically communicate and we don't realize it. So for me, what this was is like understanding, um, the habitual patterns that I was bringing to the table in my wow. own role without even realizing I was doing that yeah. in the service of what does it mean to run a more equitable, more ethical company? And, and how, how am I accidentally seeding any of those bad patterns that are not going to be in service of all of the members? So it was a shakeup for me mentally because, you know, I would, I really prided myself on uh, showing up to the table and being, you know, very thoughtful about how I wanted mm -hmm. to work with my peers and my coworkers. And um, it's, it's, it's also impacted too, like the, the delineation between work, Trav and Re work, Trav and reach, and then like home Trav and reach and, and the patterns outfits. of different outfits, like shutting the door and trying, really trying. It's not always easy, but trying to stop talking about work when you close the office door. Yeah. Um, I have such a long way to go on that journey, but like I'm, I've learned so much about myself and I feel like I'm in transition. And I think this co-op is a lot of that, you know, in terms of like, who do I want to be? Um, yeah. when I think about, you know, what, what we're doing here and how we're supporting people. It's not, it's something is shifting dramatically. And I, I would love to be able to explain more about what it is, but I think I'm still figuring that out. Okay. Well, we can do that one in another podcast. Yeah. But come back I, to I also think year. it's important for people to know that you guys have been, I mean, I remember you telling me the story about like you, when you first started traveling around together, Yeah, you have been working together for 14 like years. years right yeah 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 14 years next month yeah yeah and that that is a lot of learned behavior and now you have to remember like oh we got to tell we got to talk to abby about it too like it's it's that's going to be a lot of habits to yeah shift. one of the i don't know if you... big growth experience or opportunity for you both as well though. yeah i don't know if you noticed this at all dave like in in um because do you do you and your partner work together as well sometimes yeah, she, Taryn and I do everything. Yeah, so you're, okay, so your life and work, I, what I learned through, um, through th therapy and looking into somatics and like where we store trauma in the body, one of the things that we, I, I was realizing is like, we have these very distinct patterns and they're often formed when we're really, really little, like, you know, mm -hmm. maybe seven or under, under seven. And it's like, it kind of boils down to like these two ideas of like, I'm either too much or I'm not enough. And sometimes people feel like I'm both too much and I'm not enough. Okay. And then what we do is we have these feelings and then we'll kind of like use work as a framework to like compensate. So for a yeah. lot of people, not everyone, but we often come out of our home situation into a work situation that might almost like overcompensate for a thing we're feeling in, at home. Yeah. And then it's like you have to unlearn all of those 
behaviors yeah. because you're you're two distinct individuals almost operating yeah. uh, in in different environments. It's wild. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot to. I don't know if I'm ready to walk down that path yet. There's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot in there. There's a um, lot to unpack. So if people want to learn, I mean, I know you didn't just come up with this on your own. Like you had help putting this together um, and figuring out how to like get it all to happen. If people, if people want to learn more about it, where's the best place to go? Uh, yeah, there are a lot of reasons. We've got resources on our website. Um, but I would suggest if it's something you're interested in, um, like if you're interested in joining or or starting a co-op, uh, look to your local cooperative or associations. Lots of places have one. There's uh, the the Canadian Federation of Worker Co-ops is the Canadian one. There's one in the U.S. as well that is slipping my mind right now, but they're I'll find great. It. I'll find a link to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the associations are amazing. When we called our local provincial one or we I emailed them and they basically took us from day one they trained us on how to what a co-op is how to run it they provided us with co-op developers to help us do the transition um and yeah there's people that are out there to help you and there's uh there's grants available there's like non-profit resources. resources or whatever like they're just funded by the yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's so many great websites and resources on it. If you just okay. search like worker cooperative, you're going to find 30 websites that are like, hey, this is what it is. These are the structures. Um, yeah. YouTube's okay. got some great uh, videos on it as well. And, and if you, depending on if you, you can go more political, more practical, there's a whole range of content around it. Yeah. Okay. And tons of success stories too. I know you shared that in the, yes. in the document that you put together. Um, yes. Yes. So I'm just going to say this because this never happened before. Like when you were talking about the question before that, Rachel, you, you brought up a topic and I was like, oh, we could, no, I'm not going anywhere near that right now. I've never been scared by a topic in a podcast before. So that was awesome. <laughs> I know you were like, I'm not doing <laughs> like, that. Shit. I'm not touching that. Um <laughs> But that, but that, I think it's part of it too, because it's not just changing your company. Yeah, it's changing the way you look at yourself and your life and your work and the way you engage with each other. And if you are, you know, married or in a partnership with somebody, that's going to have a pretty big impact on it as well. Because, yeah. I, oh God. No, I was just going to say I, I didn't, I don't think any of us realized how much change was taking place because there were so many layers. It's a pragmatic rules for the co-op you need to address. But underneath yeah. that is like, how do we show up as humans with each other, given these economic times and given the change that's happening like in the world right now, how do we show up yeah. as humans? So I had one more thing I wanted to ask about. So how does this change your pitch to a client? Yeah, I think um, we're actively developing and refining how we talk about what we do. But I think, again, I look at it as like, um, you know, we fight to death for democracy uh, in our world. And yet we're, we're fine with settling for dictatorships in our work environments. And so it's like looking at how would we want to shift that if we could start thinking about a way of doing work, project work, which is essentially all of our work, right? Yeah. 
like yeah. agencies and every every, every company your work yep. is projects <laughs> so yeah. if that could feel better for people and look differently and it was like everyone was doing what they needed to do in a way that actually um distributed that power effectively i mean yeah. we probably could move some mountains together i think i think also I'm thinking of the agencies I know of where the sales function is separated from the production function mm -hmm. and the salespeople are incentivized by a signature, right. so they sign everything they can and screw the people who have to deal with it afterwards. Right. That would never happen in your model. You'd have to have, in your model. yeah, you'd have to have alignment between sales yeah. and delivery, which is ironically what we talk about and how important that is. So. Okay. Because I think that that is, I would think, a big draw from from a client standpoint, but also from a worker standpoint. All the people yeah. that are tired of getting like having to stay here all weekend just because some sales guy got some vague contract on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think you know to come back to your original question, how it changes our pitch. I don't think it actually does because I think the co-op is more of a result of our business model and an approach to project management and operations okay. than the project management and operations is to the co-op. Like it was just kind of a natural extension of, okay. I think where we were going. And so I think, um, I think kind of like Rachel said, and kind of like you, you said, it's like that sales to PM Absolutely. alignment, sales to production alignment. That's always been such a core tenant of ours. And I think that's like a perfect example of like, why what we do works and where yeah. our, our point of view comes from. And then we've just sort of expanded on that. Yeah. This is awesome. Um, anything else people need to know about, about your change, the changes you've made, the work you're doing? Yeah. So we're, we're steadily refining. We've uh, got a, a really interesting new like service that we've launched based on years of delivering it, but just not like publicly, we've, okay. we've uh, got a new uh, agency consulting and training service. So instead of just putting f folks through courses, you can now actually bring your whole team in. And what we've cool. noticed instantly is that like when you've got your directors in there and then they're aligned with your delivery team, you're speaking the same language, right? You wow. can speak the language of business and you can still deliver and, and create that kind of solidarity around what you're, what you're launching. So that's definitely a direction that we're, we're, really excited to be on. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think if, if anyone wanted support, like we've got so many resources there, whether that's just generally project management operations, or if you are curious about uh, co-ops and what that might look like for you. I mean, our part is we're part of this community. You matter to us and we want you to be happy and successful and thriving in your, in your jobs and in your companies. So we're here for you. Cool. So it's awesome. And you have a new logo as well. Yeah, Trav did all that. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, Thank you. And people can go to, to, do you want to do like the website, the contact information? What do you want to share with them? Yeah, if you go to uh, louderthan10.com, uh, we got all the goods there. We got our blog, our resources, a little shop. If you want some cool, cheeky project management merch, uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome cool all right and what if they want to get in contact with you directly the website yeah, linkedin you, what's better yeah website is great um okay. linkedin is also fine just reach out okay. rachel at louderthan10.com all right or travis at louderthan10.com and i'll put links to this in the show notes but thank you very much it was great to catch up with you and i'm wishing you tons of luck with this 
Thanks, Dave. It was Thank really, so really much. great to connect. Fun. Yeah. Good to see you. Suck